the conversation. Nothing conventional on the viewpoint. on SAFM. Could the African Continental Free Trade Area help address the chronic youth unemployment on the continent? By easing some of the industrialization constraints, the regional economy can generate more than sufficient jobs and reduce the youth unemployment rate. This is at least according to Lebule Tswalo, founder and managing director of SyncPoint. The AFC, FTA, that's the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, presents a great opportunity for entrepreneurs and businesses across the continent. This also allows for governments to address chronic youth unemployment through domestic industrialization. Lebo, he will further argue, as he does through that particular article, he argues that to effectively enable the agreement to succeed and to reverse the economic damages caused by, among other things, COVID-19 pandemic, it is important to change our priorities in order to create a pool of young people that effectively take advantage of the economic and social opportunities presented by the agreement. Ms. Lebumutsolo now is on the line to tell us more about her thoughts in that regard. And I, of course, was quite absent-minded when I kept saying he and she for pronouns, whereas really should have been she. Lebu, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us, ma'am. Good evening, Sangeta. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How about yourself? I'm okay, thank you. The she, hey? <laughs> she, 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 indeed. Yeah, he was an S before it. Let's yes. talk about... First of all, just to bring people up to speed, it's not the first time we're talking about this um, domestic, I mean, this international instrument on the continent, at least. Just bring bring us up to speed, please, in terms of what ultimately it heralds and what are the opportunities that it generally looks to address. I mean, there are many free trade agreements. South Africa is no exception to some of them in terms of how it has participated before. But this is the biggest of this kind. Indeed. Go for it. All right. Thank you. Thank you, um, Sangeza. I think um, it's very important that um, everyone understand um, what um, Africa Free Continental Trade Area is about. Um, it's really a strategic uh, framework that was um, founded in 2018, um, and ultimately what um, it aimed to achieve is a trade. Um, and as of January 2021, um, that has been signed off by various countries. So part of um, what has been created and part of the objective is to ensure that um, from the continental perspective, we remove um, tariffs on, on 90% of the goods. Um, so what it does, it allows um, free access to commodities. What it does as well is um, creating a single market, looking at competitiveness of African countries as well. But what I love the most, um, Sonia, is that it encourages um, industrial development. So um, basically it boosts industrialization within Africa as a whole. So you're asking a good question that, you know, what opportunities does it really, really bring forward um, for the African continent of which South Africa is part of? Um, it's really um, from the intra and um, inter-trade perspective. Um, I want everyone to, have, you know, um, if you can just remember how we were exposed um, during COVID times, uh, we realized that our reliance has always been in the European countries, in Asia and so forth. So when we had a lockdown, we could not do much um, as a country as South Africa and which includes other African countries. So we were exposed in that. We realizing that we are not localizing in terms of our products. We are relying beyond where we are as a country. So really, um, the, 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 this strategic framework is really allowing us 
to focus on major opportunities which speaks to industrialization and so forth. But at the same time, it creates a lot of job opportunities and, um, um, and, and also creates opportunities in terms of business, thereby now um, creating more competitiveness um, in the African continent. Let's talk about the barriers, systemic barriers to trade on the African continent. Political instability, one of them. The fact that our diversity in many respects does pose a challenge, at least in the early phases, as it should in the latter stages, as an opportunity. And also public infrastructure, especially on the ground infrastructure, be it rail or road, and the fact that there is an instability of supply of the infrastructure that really does facilitate trade. For instance, look at South Africa. We can't get over the electricity crisis. So there are inherent challenges that need to be addressed, and one would even argue almost before the conclusion of the agreement, such that when the implementation date of the agreement comes into effect, it can hit the ground running, as it were. (laughs) I love what you say, because we we always say that Africa is full of promises, um, but also with untapped riches. Um, but on the other side, when you look at those untapped riches, it's exactly what you're talking about around the challenges, but there's also opportunities around it. That yes, um, we, we face by a lot of um, challenges like poor road and rail infrastructure. We have a whole lot of border bureaucracy as well amongst African countries. Um, there's the issue of corruption as well that continues to hold back our growth and integration as a whole. Um, and another element that we need to consider is priorities for each country um, in terms of its economic weight. And remember, from all these African countries, we're looking at this beautiful strategic framework. However, the priorities of South Africa um, vis-a-vis Nigeria, Italy, or any other, um, not, um, apologies, not Italy, um, and, and uh, you know, Accra, Ghana, looking at Zambia, those are totally different. So those are some of the challenges that we really have to look at. Um, that it is an opportunity for Africa as a whole. However, all these challenges need to be looked at in terms of infrastructure, uh, in terms of investment as well. Um, and we're talking about investment. Who wants to really trust us and trust us as, as an African country to say that if I put in my money in this country, I will be able to get something out of it or it will be a return on investment that is worthwhile. So all of those um, are really the biggest challenges. But I want to also tap on another important aspect, and that is an aspect in terms of skills. Um, I always say that um, Africa does not lack um, um, resources, but we lack um, some um, specific skills. Labor, our labor population, we do have it. So we lack the skills and the job creators as well in that context. So we need to have a balance of both and to be able to um, attend to the challenges that we are faced with um, with the Africa Free Continental Trade Area. Let's talk about the Doha Development Round. It was negotiated over at least a period of 11 years, and I still don't know as to what the final position there is. I mean, its work was to help trade flow more smoothly and predictably for the benefit of all. Of course, because it was colloquially referred to as the development agenda, it was focusing on your developing countries. Its work was two-pronged, lowering trade barriers where they could be lowered and writing rules for maintaining trade barriers and for other trade policies. But... That document hasn't really filtered down to have the effect that it at least was desirous of, because if that had been the case, 
all of the things that we're talking about in this conversation could have and should have been addressed at least by the Doha Development Round such that come the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, it would come on the backdrop of much greater progress than it itself is attempted to come up with. If, in fact, it was needed in the first place, if the Doha Development Round itself had had the impact, at least it was required to have or thought it would have in the first rounds of discussion in November 2001. <laughs> uh, you see, from, 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 from all of these treaties that have been signed, um, and like I said earlier, with regards to conflicting um, 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 views, um, some bureaucracy, uh, again, um, that sits with the African countries, we will always be faced by other treaties or um, any acts, uh, any strategic plans that has been agreed before. I think at this point in time, it, 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 we as, um, as African countries, we need to ne- really need, need to start aligning in terms of our viewpoints, in terms of how we lift Africa forward. It shouldn't be just another treaty that's signed off. Um, at this point in time, we are struggling with Africa. We have all these resources, but our conflicting views and all these um, laws that has been signed off, they are not enabling us to move forward. And also the issue of bureaucracy, again, you know, I can never stop reemphasizing the issue of bureaucracy as to who is more important in terms of prioritization as well. It is just a strategic action plan, but without an operational plan as well. So to make um, AFCTA uh, really work, we need to be clear, we need to be concise as to what we want to achieve out of it. And it needs to be a plan with um, proper timelines for everyone, because if we really have to start um, addressing those issues, for an example, um, we are exporting a lot um, as a country, as South Africa as an example. Now we need to make a decision to say that if, as we start beneficiating in terms of the resources in South Africa, or as Africa as a whole, we are going to reduce um, importation um, of, of products, because now we have to start importing and really exporting more and really enabling this um, intra-regional um, you know, development around the country. But if we don't do that, we are still going to continue importing um, a lot of products from Asia. And um, if, if that does not change, um, and we don't even impose all of this um, with SARS and so forth, the custom regulations, then we're not going to move forward. So that action has to be placed um, you know, uh, forward in terms of how we really make this work. That is not just a strategic, um, you know, framework that has been implemented like the, you know, the other treaties before. But now we need to be clear that if we have to enable this, how do we stop the importation? How do we beneficiate? Because now it's a strategic term. Um, you know, the, the, the Africa as a whole um, has got various physical resources. I mean, from oil, from um you know, from tea, from timber, titanium, tobacco, and so forth. Mm. We need to start focusing on beneficiation. So if that focus is there in the plan, then we know that if we beneficiate within Africa, now we know that whatever we start exporting, we need to start increasing our export um, market, um, then we we will know that we'll make a benefit out of it. But at the same time, I want to revert now to, to the issue of the skills, um, innovation, technology. We need investment in such. We need to ensure that, you know, for areas that are really speaking to um, e-commerce, retail, tourism, that's where the opportunities are. Logistics, 
as well. Um, manufacturing, like I said, which is part of beneficiating as well. We need to invest more in those areas. And that is the areas where we need to really start pulling in the youth to be part of it and really start developing their skills so that in the future they can benefit from the job employment perspective, but also from them being the future business people, so entrepreneurial skills and so forth. Let's talk about beneficiation because particularly when you talk about young people, they would tell you quite readily that they are keen to be involved in the economy. But you find that we might mine the minerals or offer the primary economic activity, and I'm talking about on the continent as a whole, but your secondary and tertiary and quartetary services are all exported, and then they come back with what we sent them as a raw material, as a finished product for us to purchase again. So ultimately, our balance of payments are not great. We are more exporters, I mean, we are more importers than we are exporters, and that's precisely the problem. The Ghanaian president, Akufo, for instance, pretty much told the Swiss government or the Swiss delegation very recently that Ghanaian cocoa is no longer for sale on the terms currently by which they are getting it. Ghana needs to be providing the world chocolate because they provide the cocoa. Switzerland doesn't have any cocoa, and yet they're renowned for being the world's best chocolatiers. And I think that is the sort of thinking that needs to come from top down, from all of Africa. For instance, the DRC has got more mineral deposits than any continent I mean, than any country yeah. on the continent and more than any other country in any other continent for that matter, and yet they languish in poverty. So I asked this question in the context of what is necessary and or required from top political leadership on the continent, even at AU level, AU commission level, to have certain deliverables among themselves and know that they're going to work with each other on such deliverables. Uh I think it, it, it's all about accountability. It's really a, about accountability. Um, at this point in time, at, at, at an, um, um, a leadership perspective, and I'm talking about the, the government, um, we're we driving various um, priorities. So it needs to really start saying that out of all the countries that have signed off um, with regards to Africa free continental trade area, um, I mean, those are all part of the um, African um, Union nations. They need to be a sign off from that state to say who will be driving which specific initiatives because it is huge on its own. And let, let us be honest um, that each and every country is also looking at how they beneficiate themselves um, or how they benefit um, in terms of um, this initiative. So I think at the AU level, they need to really set the direction as to how it should be done. And then secondly, um, if you look at a country like South Africa, we've got this national development plan. We have IPEP, we have um, you know, um, organizations like DTI, our small business development, all of these um, mm. organizational departments. Their focus is in ensuring that we grow our GDP. It's around business, it's around how we enable access um, to the market and so forth. So that structure comes from the AU into the government perspective. And when government sets its strategic objectives, it doesn't matter which one. It must be aligned to the mm. AU. And we must start measuring them in that regard. But at this point in time, all the plans are disintegrated. But also what we also need to take into account is that there is a private sector. How do we allow private sector to support us going forward? There's all this um, triple P 
that exist um, private um, public partnerships as well. We need to start looking at that as well. Um, I mean, um, you know, uh, we're asking about the commitment already, and I can use an example. Mm. Um, when you start looking at COVID distribution, what um, is it, vaccine distribution, we need cold storages across Africa. So the biggest challenge that we have is what? Distribution, and you need um, cold storage facilities as well. But for that to happen, what do you require is investment. So now let's start going back. The issue that I was talking about, if you look at our perception index in Africa in terms of corruption and so forth, anyone that wants to put the money on the table, we have to start looking at how can we entrust any of these um, uh, countries that are part of the African Union nations? How do we ensure that we support them? But we must be careful as well not to be taken for granted because anyone can come with a checkbook. And when anyone comes with a checkbook, how are we going to benefit? It shouldn't be just a checkbook. That's when you need... Oh, sorry. Sorry. And I've got a minute and I need to push this question in because we can't talk about a conversation of this kind without mentioning the country of Rwanda. 27 years ago, there were a country in civil war, blood all over the place. Everything that grew from Rwandan earth was probably nourished by blood more than it was water. And look how quickly they have turned around their fortunes. They don't have a constitution that is regarded the world over as a progressive constitution. They simply have leadership and leadership that is determined to change the narrative experience and outcomes of her people. And the young people of Rwanda are thriving more than anywhere else on the continent. Lebo? Oh, somehow we got cut off. I'm sorry about that. I was remarking on the strength of the Rwandan economy through a decisive leadership as is espoused in Paul Kagame. Yes. Paul Kagame has really done a a brilliant work in really turning around, um, 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 what is it, Rwanda as a country. I mean, if you look at the historical, um, their historical route and the, um, well, his fallout as well in terms of his aggressive um, foreign policy as well. Um, but it still works for the country because it's around leadership, having the right leadership, proper strategy, ensuring that there's accountability um, in that regard. And there's the issue of conflict as well that was there, but at least decisions could be made. And those were the right decisions that worked um, for the country. Um, unlike in other countries, that decisiveness does not exist. Does that decisiveness all. exist in this country, yes or no? No. Okay, very well. <laughs> Thought as much. Ms. Lebuletzola, thank you so much for your thoughts. Founder and Managing Director of Sync Point. That is the news hour then. Good evening to you, Grichos.